This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, April 27th. I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, All Points Transit updates Telluride seniors. Telluride takes the reins on 4th of July. A look back, rural communities shift away from boom and bust. And a mountain weather forecast. Chicken pot pie is on the menu, and transportation is on the agenda at this week's senior lunch in the basement of Telluride's Christ Church. Lunch regulars go about business as usual, settling into seats with close friends and enjoying the hearty fare on a grim and overcast April day. But this week's lunch has a special guest. Executive Director of All Points Transit, Sarah Curtis, is in town spreading the word about their services. We are based in Montrose, but we're serving communities all over the Western Slope. We have services all the way up into rural Delta County, up in Hotchkiss and Paonia and Cedar Edge, and out to the west end of Montrose County, Nuclea Natarita. And of course, um, happy to help with some transit in Norwood and in uh, Telluride. All Points is a nonprofit transit service providing low-cost, customized rides by appointment, getting its users exactly where they need to go, right when they need it. The service comes in handy in all sorts of situations, but one which is particularly common? Curtis says medical appointments. It's a huge challenge to have communities, especially mountainous communities, that are so far from um, medical hubs, such as um, all the areas I just spoke of, Telluride, Nuclea Natarita, I mean, it's hours to get to Grand Junction or to Montrose where you might need to have your appointments, never mind getting all the way to Denver for a specialist or something like that. Telluride resident Elizabeth Gick has used all points for just that purpose, accessing medical care, which was far afield. I love what we have in town, but there are certain special services that especially elderly people need, and sometimes... Um, the doctors then don't want us to drive, even if we feel like, oh, I can do this. And then the service comes in really handy. And it comes in handy on a snowy day. There are good excuses for using it rather than our own cars. Gick heard about all points from a friend, called the ride service up, and she says she has rave reviews. And it was seamless and very pleasant. We do a lot of work with helping folks access medical care and we do a lot of work with older adults and persons with disabilities. However, we are open to anybody. Anyone can call for a ride. Curtis hasn't been to a senior lunch since before the pandemic and she was happy to return to Telluride to spread the word about all points and share the news of their recently expanded schedule and offerings. Despite Curtis's hiatus, it was pretty much old news for some in the crowd. My name is Pam Petty, and I come to Senior Lunch almost every Monday. I haven't had a car since 1987, and I learned that actually it was cheaper to rent cars for what I needed. Uh, but now I don't afford that either, and I've been using All Points for years to get to medical appointments. And they even let me shop if they have a schedule that works that way. Um, And I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, I'm an absolute fan. Petey says she was happy the word was getting out about the ride service. 
she's amongst the few who have used all points or even knew it existed. But um, I think we have some new enthusiasts as of um, this luncheon. To find a ride, simply call 970-249-0128 or visit allpointstransit.com. The town of Telluride will be taking over the post-parade festivities this 4th of July. I think from uh, both council's perspective and certainly the town manager's office, um, we just feel like 4th of July is such an important community event around here that, um, you know, just having the parade, and I shouldn't say just, the, the parade is spectacular. It's amazing. People come far and wide just for the parade, but we really want to be able to give the community and our visitors something to uh, do throughout that afternoon as well. That's Telluride Town Manager Scott Robson speaking at a Parks and Recreation Commission meeting last week. Historically, the Telluride Fire Protection District has hosted a barbecue in Town Park, but due to timing and staffing, they're taking a step back. We're not looking to get into the event business exactly. Um, we already have great uh, organizers around this community to do, do a great job at events. This is one that just feels right for the, the town to step in on some of the role that maybe the fire district played in the past and uh, make sure uh, we've got a free, community-friendly, but also high-quality event in town park for folks to go to after the parades. Robson notes the town would hire an event planner so the lift of the event doesn't land on town staff. I think the general concept, much like we see it at Jazz Fest, is just to allow kind of the front end of that parade almost to continue on into the park and lead some of that, lead some of the public into the park. Um, so they've got a place to go. It's, it's, those are big crowds and, you know, it, it gets a little challenging for, for our marshal's office and others to you know, deal with crowds that don't have a place to go. So we would really want to continue it right in, into the park and maybe have music, uh, again, free concert on, on town park stage, start up as early as, Noonish, uh, assuming the, the parade uh, is kind of in that 11 o'clock ballpark, um, and really have, have music throughout the course of the day. The concert would end in time, Robson speculates, for individuals to head home before coming back out for the firework display. Um, we're really thrilled that the fire district um, is ready and willing to still fire uh, fireworks um, in the evening uh, this year. Again, weather and moisture dependent as always. But, uh, but they're excited to do so. They're ex- experts in that realm, of course. When it comes to food, Robson suggests recruiting local nonprofits and restaurateurs to provide the fare for the day. For the Parks and Rec Commission, it's full-on support of the proposition. Here's Commission Chair Teddy Errico. For me personally, um, anything that gives locals, tourists, second homeowners something to do um, that makes life easier on the police department specifically, and enhances the experience for everybody. My personal opinion is that's fantastic. While Telluride continues the spring dance of sun and snow every other moment, summer is on the way, and 4th of July festivities will be here before we know it. KOTO News was recently recognized by the Colorado Broadcasters Association for its excellence in news programming in 2022. This week, we're highlighting KOTO's award-winning stories from last year. Today, we have a story from KOTO's Julia Caulfield, originally broadcast in January 2022. 
looking at communities shifting away from the boom and bust of a fossil fuel economy. Walk into Wild Gals Market in Nucla, Colorado, and the store is bustling. Owner Galette Corngold is doing inventory on the order that just came in when a member of the community busts through the door. She got her days mixed up and forgot people would be coming to her house for book club in a few short hours. She needs soup and bread. I'm on the phone with me and goes, well, Mama's wondering if she could come to the book club today. What? Or book club today? I thought it was tomorrow. <laughs> Wild Gals is a success story for the West End Economic Development Corporation, an organization supporting small businesses like Wild Gals Market and encouraging new industry and jobs in the area, something crucial since the closure of local mines. Nucla and Wild Gals sits in Colorado's West End, a collection of communities on the west ends of Montrose and San Miguel counties in the southwest corner of the state, right on the Utah border. If you ask Dina Sheriff, the region has always been boom and bust. The people that came out here, if they were not the original homesteaders, they came out here as part of a mining operation or milling operation for uranium. And then when that kind of fell out of favor post-World War II, we saw a little bit of a bust then. Uranium came back a little bit in the early 80s, busted again in the 90s, and it's been very volatile since then. Sheriff is the executive director of the West End Economic Development Corporation, or WEEDSE. The last bust came when the New Horizon Mine and the Tri-State Power Generation Facility closed in 2017. It's been challenging when you have a community of less than a thousand people. You're talking 10% of your population was impacted by this. And that's just direct impact. That doesn't count the grocery stores and the gas stations and the hair salons and everything that were also impacted. According to Sheriff, about 60% of the mining workforce moved. Businesses on Main Street largely sat empty, but a group of locals in the West End did see the closure coming and created Weedsea with the aim of helping new businesses and the region weather the storm. That's everything from how to set up your books, how to hire, do you need a personnel manual, where do you find employees. We really help them try and identify every piece of their business so that they can be successful. Sheriff says Weedsea focuses on three areas of business growth entrepreneurship, value-added agriculture, and outdoor recreation and tourism. To date, Weedsea has worked with over 100 entrepreneurs in the area, with 36 of those turning into businesses. Galette Corngold, over at Wild Gals, was one of those entrepreneurs, although she didn't lose her job when the mine closed. Originally from Montreal, Canada, she and her husband moved into the area just before the pandemic and bought an old mechanic shop. Once we moved here, I realized that there was no food that I really wanted to eat in this town. And we had this great space at the front of the building, and I decided to open a food store. Wild Gals Market focuses on local, organic, and homemade goods from the region, with a selection of ingredients from the international market. We have elk and other game meats. Corngold says Weedsea was integral to developing the plan for Wild Gals. I took accounting classes and business mentoring from Weedsea, and 
because we don't have a commercial kitchen of our own yet, and we make a lot of homemade food, we use the kitchen at Weetsy, and that's just been the greatest resource. We love that kitchen. The West End is shifting. New businesses are opening, and broadband across the region makes remote work easy, drawing workers from across the state and country looking for a rural life. Corngold says it's an exciting time to be in the area. I feel like we're at the beginning of a renaissance here, and it's really cool to be a part of it. As that renaissance continues, the future of the region is still to be determined. But for Sheriff, she hopes the days of boom and bust are over. For her, it's all about steady community-building growth over the long term. And Weedsy plans to be there every step of the way. We've reported in the past on a potential bond measure coming to voters this fall, which would support infrastructure and staffing needs in the Telluride R1 school district. Last week, District Superintendent John Pandolfo visited Telluride Town Council. This week, he visited the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners to hear out their concerns. The bond would result in a tax increase for residents across San Miguel County, and the school district is sending out a survey to ask residents how they feel about the potential increase. Commissioner Hillary Cooper points out property values in San Miguel County have risen sharply in recent years. This year, in particular, home valuations are expected to rise sharply. And high home values mean higher taxes. As you know, this year is going to be a huge um, increase in valuation that Mm -hmm. everybody is about to see uh, that could potentially arrive in people's mailboxes right around the same time of your survey. And Mm -hmm. depending on which they open first could very much affect your survey Mm -hmm. Um, because I think people are going to be rather surprised. Um, In some cases, their property uh, valuations may have doubled and this year they will have an estimated tax payment, which is the first time they've done that. Um, Usually they see their value go up and think, woohoo, and they don't get the tax payment. So this time they'll actually see the tax payment. With the state releasing valuations and including an estimated tax payment on the document, Cooper suspects some residents might balk at the prospect of paying even more. The county, the district, and other concerned parties, Cooper continues, must try to figure out, you know, how we're going to help people who are going to be significantly impacted by those increased tax payments. Pandolfo says the district has worked the property valuation increase into its funding plan and the proposed bond measure. Over the next few weeks, the district will hold a series of open houses to hear concerns from the public. The first of those meetings will take place tonight, April 27th at 5.30 p.m. at the Telluride Elementary School. If you'd like to visit Neverland this weekend, you're in luck. Starting Friday, April 28th, the Young People's Theater presents Peter Pan Jr. at the Sheridan Opera House. The show will take viewers along on the classic tale full of pixie dust, pirates, and fairies, all set to a beloved score and performed by Telluride's young stars. Showtimes are 6 p.m. Friday and Saturday and 2 p.m. Sunday. Doors open half an hour before each showing. Tickets are available at SheridanOperaHouse.com. 
A bat at the Bent's Old Fort National Historic Site in La Junta, Colorado has tested positive for white nose disease, the first such case to be reported in the state. White nose is a deadly fungus which has spread through bat populations across the U.S. since it was first detected in New York in 2006. The fungus does not infect humans or livestock, but the threat it poses to vulnerable bat populations can be severe, and the loss of bats has widespread ecosystem impacts. Bats, for example, play a crucial role in pest control as they're voracious insect eaters. Officials with Colorado Parks and Wildlife report they are unsurprised to find the invasive and deadly fungus has finally come to Colorado. The bat at Bent's old fort was found suffering and unable to fly. It was euthanized, and a test confirmed it had been suffering from white-nose syndrome. CPW asks outdoor enthusiasts to avoid closed caves, mines, and other bat roosting spots so as not to further spread the fungus on clothing or gear. Any dead or sick bats can be reported to CPW by calling 303-291-7771. Governor Jared Polis's flagship housing legislation is getting a major change. As KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods reports, it's an attempt to create a path forward for the struggling bill. An amendment introduced this week attempts to appease the bill's opposition, which considered the measure to be state overreach. The original version would have required that municipalities change their zoning rules to allow for more multi-unit housing. The new amendment eliminates any state control over local land use rules. Bill sponsor, Senate Majority Leader Dominic Moreno, says the conversation around state-level land use reform isn't over. Zoning reform is going to be a topic in future legislative sessions. Hopefully we'll be able to work with our local partners to figure out a way forward on that. Now the bill would create a state board to figure out housing needs of specific communities and advise them on how to make housing more affordable. The amended version of the bill was approved by a legislative committee and is now headed to the Senate floor. A preliminary vote is expected this week. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. A unique musical theater piece combines storytelling, history, and music from several different genres at the Wheeler Opera House in Aspen last week. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Kaya Williams of Aspen Public Radio has more on the show's creator and her outreach at one local school. It's a wintry Friday morning at the Aspen Country Day School, and the room is packed with singing students. Musician Martha Redbone has already taught the kids traditional Native American chants and playful dances this morning, but this song, an original called 40 Wheels, has a more somber tone. It's about the Trail of Tears and the brutal forced displacement of nearly 100,000 Native Americans in the Southeast in the 1800s. Redbone says music can help communicate this heavy history to a young audience without overwhelming them. And so you can tell difficult stories and difficult truths to little kids in a gentle way and still, you know, not hide things. It works with more mature listeners, too. Later Friday night, a grown-up audience at the Wheeler Opera House in Aspen gives Redbone and her band a standing ovation for their performance of Bone Hill the Concert. The show includes 40 Wheels and about a dozen other songs, plus theatrical storytelling inspired by Redbone's Black and Native American heritage. These are things that tap into an emotion inside that we may not 
be able to explain. You know, everyone responds to music, and so I feel really lucky that that's my medium that I choose to do my storytelling through. Redbone developed Bone Hill with her husband and frequent collaborator Aaron Whitby. The show includes songs about love and loss that are tinged by a legacy of racial oppression in America. Redbone tells that story through four generations of her own family in the hills of coal mining Appalachia. And it talks about, you know, how we continue to hold on to who we are despite all the laws and all kinds of things that come in to try to erase us. And it's about, basically, it's about resilience. Redbone says Bone Hill allows her to preserve her cultural history while educating audiences about what she calls, quote, genocide on paper. The show explores the generational impacts of the American Indian Removal Act, the Racial Integrity Act, segregation and racism, and civil rights era conflict. And I felt it was my responsibility to not participate in the genocide of my own people. We are alive (laughs) and we have multi-cultures and and it should all be celebrated. Nothing should be erased. It's it's too easy to to wipe away people these days and and so I refuse to succumb to that. In Bone Hill, the audience is part of the story, but Redbone says she doesn't want to make them feel guilty as they learn. It was very important for us to tell this truth without um, pointing the finger at people who are in our audiences, because that's not what we're here to do. Redbone says the goal is to educate people on lesser known parts of history. From there, they can do with it what they what they will. But it's we're not here to make anything other than truth through music. And that, Redbone says, inspires audiences of many different backgrounds and identities. What has been happening in our performances is that the audiences start to reflect on who they are and, and how they came to be, you know, in this space and the histories of their own families and to pay attention to that and to celebrate that. For me, that's the, the real the real bonus gift. Later this week, Redbone will perform Bone Hill in California. She's touring at venues across the country this year. From the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk, I'm Kaya Williams. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 25 degrees. Friday brings a chance of snow in the morning, followed by clearing skies and sun in the afternoon with a high near 45. Clear skies should remain overnight on Friday when the forecast low is around 25. Saturday should be sunny with a high near 60, and Saturday night should be mostly clear with a low near freezing. This has been the news for Thursday, April 27th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hi, this is Dan Enright, Vice Chairperson of the San Miguel County Democratic Party, and I'm here to help solicit applications for the interim position for County Commissioner. Uh, Hillary Cooper has announced her resignation to move on to a job working for the state, and so we, the Vacancy Committee of the San Miguel County Democratic Party, are seeking applications fill that seat for the rest of her term, which will end in January 7th of 2025. Uh, There is a number of qualifications that a person must meet. They must be at least 18 years old, and they must be a registered Democrat since at least April 2022, and they must reside within the District 1 of San Miguel County, 
which includes most of the town of Telluride, as well as the north side of the Spur and uh, the Deep Creek Mesa area as well. Uh, interested parties can send an email to the San Miguel County Democratic website, which is smcdems.co at gmail.com. Again, that's smcdems.co at gmail.com. In that email, please include a confirmation that you meet the qualifications as well as a description of relevant experience and why you are interested, as well as your contact information. Applications will be received until May 8th of next month at 5 p.m. So you have uh, another couple weeks when I'm first recording this. If it airs later, again, that date is May 8th uh, of 2023. And we, the vacancy committee, will select a replacement no later than May 18th. Thank you so much. Looking forward to any and all applications and talk to you soon. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news. We're on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you'd like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.